Well, good morning, everyone. This is sort of scary for me. I mean, I know you see me up here quite a lot of times, but I've never, ever preached at CCC. Never. So this is my first time, and so I'm sort of like standing up here actually terrified how I'm going to talk for 20, 30, 40 minutes, whatever it is, you know. I, I love Doug's choice of songs. There was a time I grew up in a very religious family, super religious. I mean, we were not allowed to... My cousin is sitting at the back here, and she also grew up in the same hill clan. And we were not allowed to watch TV on Sunday. We couldn't do... There was nothing you could actually really do. You just had to be religious. And, I mean, that's all you could do was... You're only allowed to read your Bible. It was ridiculous, really. But I, I, I remember singing that song so many times at church. But it wasn't my story. I wasn't a Christian. I was not born again. And I used to sing the song thinking, eh, this isn't really me. But I liked the music and I liked the song. And so I used to sing it, you know. But it, it wasn't my story and so this morning is a little bit about my story that started 40 years ago back in Christchurch where at midnight or one o'clock in the morning I'm down on my knees and I'm asking Jesus to come into my heart and take over my life and where I was going to go from there onwards. And so... This morning's partly about the story that God's written through my life and my wife's life. It's also, in part, I want to encourage you that, you know, there's a, there's a lovely movie. I can't, I'm going to get the name wrong, but it's about the guy that builds the ark. What's the name of that movie? Evan Almighty, is it? And, and it's like... You know, the, the one thing that they use is the ark, you know, and they use a random, a random act of kindness as that, sort of like a whole thing, you know. And, you know, for me, his kingdom coming is like a random act of kindness. And I think so often, you know, we, we look around us and we see a need... And our first reaction, I know it often is in me, my first reaction is, oh, I wonder who I can help find to help that person. And God's going, oh, when are you going to get it, kid? Why don't you see whether you can meet that need? Come and ask me if there's something I want you to do in that situation. You know, it's so easy for us to go off and say, we see somebody that. You know, they need some money. Oh, I'll go to the church and I'll ask them if they can help you. What about putting your hand in your own pocket? And however small it is, it doesn't matter. You know, that, that, that God puts needs in front of each one of us every day. Small, big, whatever. But if we would really operate out of his kingdom... Our first reaction would be, hey, Lord, this is exciting. 
How can I meet that need? Show me how I can do it. And I, I, you know, I think that, you know, it clearly says in Scripture that he prepares works for us to do. And when we become Christians, he prepares works for us to do, each one of us. And I think that that's something that God wrote into my heart right from when I was an early Christian. I remember I used to drive to work every morning in my nice little Mazda that I used to have. I used to work as a sales rep in New Zealand. I'd drive to work every morning, and there was this old guy that used to... Well, he wasn't that old, but, I mean, it was a guy, super scruffy, really dirty-looking, that used to be walking along the road. And so many times I'd walk, go past him, you know? One morning I'm going my way to work, and it's raining. And this guy's there walking along the road. He's going the same direction. He lived just around the corner from where I did. Really clearly, I know that, you know, I, I'd looked at him so many times and thought, I bet he needs a lift. But I never stopped. And one morning I stopped, wound the window down and said, hey, do you want to ride? I'm going your way because my work is close to where you work. And he got in the car and we drove to work. What I didn't know was he stunk to high heaven. He really, really, really smelled bad. And so when he used to get in the car, you know, I'm like, this is bad news, Lord. But on the way to work, it was an opportunity for me in those days when I was super, super spiritual because I just got born again and very excited about being a Christian. I wanted to share the gospel. And so I would talk to him about Jesus and go into church. And he never, ever responded. I mean, he, you know, he argued with me a little bit, whatever. But from then onwards, nearly every morning or every other morning, he would be there walking to work, and I'd pick him up, and we'd go, and we just made friends. I have no idea what that was about, other than I know it was part of God's kingdom coming in that situation. And I think it's something that we, you know, we... We look at big things, and I think people look at Joyce and I, and they look at this big ministry and all of the thousands of babies and everything else. It's not about that at all. What it's about is, is the little things that God puts in front of each one of us every day that he wants us to do, and he wants us to do something about it, and that's going to bring his kingdom to come. You know, I think, you know how does this work? If you like, Josh. No, put the next slide on. Come on. It's a worry this morning having Josh working the slides for me, you know. Okay, so how does it work to bring his come kingdom to come? You know, I, I'm going to get lost now because I hate using PowerPoints. I like just talking. But anyway, all right. We, you know, we are his representations on this earth. We are without a doubt. And so when Jesus told us to pray for his kingdom to come, he was talking, you know, we're here. We're the ones that are going to usher that kingdom in around us. One of the things that we talk a lot about at CCC is abiding in him, you know, and I think that that, if you like, that puts us in the right place to be able to be obedient to the things that he tells us to do. You know, we have to make ourselves available to, to, to listen, to be there. And that place is, you know, as we abide in him, we make ourselves available to be l listening 
And then just be obedient to his voice. You know, it's not that hard. It's just a matter of you see needs, you see something there, ask him, what can I do? Or don't even ask him, you know, just if you can ought to do it, you know. I mean, it doesn't take a lot to, to meet some needs and yet you're bringing God's kingdom in every time. Okay, the next slide, Josh. So, we came to China in 1994. Uh, came as expats, worked for a Swedish engineering company. Joyce is a doctor. We'd always been professionals, worked our whole lives, busy earning money. I was a little, not a very good fit in the corporate situation. I remember my boss ringing me up one day and he said, no, Robin, he said, where do you see yourself in five years' time? And I'm like, do you really want to know the answer to that question? And so I thought, well, okay, I'm going to tell him the truth. And I said, look, I said, you know I'm a Christian. I said, I have no idea where I'll be in five years' time, but I know where I want to be, and I want to be exactly where God wants me to be. <laughs> it wasn't a really good corporate answer, you know. I mean, it's sort of, you heard the balloon go, <laughs> and I thought, yeah, that's gone down in my file, so I'm, I'm shot for, unless God wants me to be something else you know but it's sort of so we came here very much with a corporate sort of world working earning money and everything else lived down in Beijing in the Lido and uh, that was what, what we came here for and then we were studying a part of in our little home group at the BICF at the time we we're studying James we get to the bit in James where it talks about widows and orphans and we thought it would be a great idea if we went off to visit an orphanage. And so one Saturday afternoon, we go off down to Tenjin Orphanage to visit orphans. Very spiritual. It was a day out for us all. One of the worst days of my life in some respects. I sort of... Uh, well, it wasn't the worst day of my life, but it, it definitely was a challenging day because Joyce asked the orphanage director if we could go into the area of the orphanage that had babies that were sick, because she's a doctor, so she was interested in that. And so we went up onto the third floor. And what we saw in there were babies, two or three in a cot. It stunk of urine, filthy, dirty. There were no caregivers in the room. And, you know, you just looked and saw, and it, it breaks you up inside. For me, one child that I picked up, they pointed to the window. And that moment inside of me something just broke because it was like this child was saying can I look outside or can, can you take me out of here now we had six healthy children you know we didn't no we had seven healthy children we didn't need any more kids but something for me broke at that point and I know that both Joyce and I that two hours that we spent in that afternoon up with these kids just picking them up and playing with them I mean one child had a ball that was obviously their precious toy, and that's all there was. There was nothing else. It was just a ball that they had. And we came out of that orphanage, and we stood at the gates of the orphanage and said, Lord, we never, ever want to come back here unless we can do something to really make a change, that we can turn things around for these kids. To go back, there's nothing wrong with going and visiting and, you know, helping orphans, but... For us to go back and just change diapers, whatever, and then leave them in the state they were in was just not an option. 
But you know, that day of the orphanage, God was listening, as he often does when you make stupid prayers like that, you know. And uh, he had a, an idea and a plan for the future. You know, he had some works for us to walk in. And we just went away from there. It wasn't until three and a half years later that we were right at the end of our contract, ready to leave China. We were going to go, uh, I, I, my boss was coming and I, he was going to tell me where the next assignment was going to be. We were ready to leave China. We joined in with another group, uh, with a little ministry that made refrigerator magnets. Actually, my wife became the sales person for refrigerator magnets. So she emptied a doctor's bag, out of stethoscopes and all the medical equipment and filled it up with refrigerator magnets. And uh, anyway, that, that's a whole nother story. But uh, we were going to a meeting that they were having because they were going to buy a piece of land to build a community centre. And we were on the board, so we sort of part of what they were doing. Joyce didn't want to go to that meeting. And uh, like most typical grumpy wives, as you husbands will know, that they let you know when they don't want to do something. And so she sat there... There's somebody over there looking, looking, at, looking at your wife, looking at you. <laughs> Joyce sat there with her arms crossed like this through the whole meeting and didn't say a word. And it was really because the, the, this particular company were not really good at making deliveries to her little Beijing office where she was selling magnets. And so she was not really very impressed with them and for some other reasons as well. But they, So she didn't want to be there. At the meeting there were... Lots of ideas as to what they could use this piece of land for, what, what, what it actually would be. And uh, after the meeting was over, we came out of there and sat in the car. My wife, I turned around to my wife and said, what do you think about all of this? And uh, Joyce looked at me, she said, you know, she said, I think that God's asking us to get into a river. She said, do you want to put the one up about swim? asking us to get into a river. I have no idea where we're going to end up, but I'd like to ask these guys for a third of the land they're going to buy. We'll build our home, we'll build a foster home, and we'll look after sick babies. I'm like, what? <laughs> where did that come from, you know? And then we both burst out crying. And it was like, you know, it was a really, really neat time. It was like God was saying, hey, do you want to come on this ride with me? Do you, do you really want to get into that river? Do you want to, to step out completely from where you were, where you were working and you've been doing all your lives, step out with no backing? You know, we didn't have a home church or we didn't have a group that was supporting us. It was just me and Joyce, you know? Do you want to get in that river with me? And I'm like, yeah. This is exactly where I want to be. I don't want to be anywhere else. This is, there's no choice, you know? If we, if we get in that river we're going to see something really, really special that God's going to do. Well, we did ask the people for the land. Uh, we did start to build our home. Actually, before we back up a little bit, we asked the people for the land and uh, told them what we were going to do. And so, in 1999, on a very suitable day, April Fool's Day, we... Moved out of our nice Lido apartment into this little tiny Chinese apartment in the south of Beijing, and we were in the process of building the foster home that we see today. So 
So the next slide, 2000, we did go back to, yeah, you can flick to that next one. In 2000, January of 2000, we did go back to that orphanage and we asked the orphanage director for uh, a baby that was under six months old, they got a physical problem we could get fixed, which is one of the things that Joyce felt we could really concentrate on. And so we went back to the orphanage director and he gave us a little five-month-old baby girl called Gong Lin Lin, who's... Oh, come back a bit. That's it, go back. Go back to the picture. That's the one. Who's the fat little baby sitting on the arm of the chair there? She's now 18 or 17 years old and would have killed me for that last statement because we ended up adopting her. She was our first foster child and that's Caitlin who you will sometimes see around here. But, uh, the other little girl that's sitting in the walker there, she had a massive facial deformity. And uh, just a couple of weeks ago we were in contact with her and she's now 22 years old. She's studying medicine and she looks beautiful really fabulous, you know. The other two kids in there, oh, the one I'm holding was, uh, was not actually an orphan, but I, we won't talk about that. Uh, the other two kids are actual Joyce and I's natural kids. But, uh, so we started off in this small apartment with one baby, and it was one step at a time, you know. Okay, next slide, Josh. Like I said, one of our principles was to take babies that were under six months old, had a physical problem we could get fixed. So the, the idea with that is that basically we could help as many children as possible. Their chances for adoption were going to be much greater. And so that's where we were going with that. The other thing we felt strongly about was treating these children as if they were our own children. You know, to treat them any less or to do any less for them is not right. You know, it's, I, I didn't believe it was right. And one of the things that we've seen over the years is that God has really created a model that he's showing to the Chinese authorities of how you can care for these children in a good way. And so, you know, that was really important to us, that these kids were looked after as if they were our own children. Then the third thing which was really interesting was that God was going to provide the funding for this, because obviously... You know, to start off with, we can build a first home, we can build a foster home, we can, you know, we can start this off with our own funds, but you, you, you don't continue on to do that very long. And uh, since then, I should have looked the figure up, but I think it's 55 million renminbi, that maybe more than that, that we've actually spent since we started. You know, enormous amount of money that God's provided what we do. And we really don't fundraise at all. And so it's one of those elements that we've watched God really work in an amazing way. Okay, next slide. One of the things that I always thought, you know, when you go into ministry, when you go and you step out and you do things, you know, when you, you make that step, a little bit like offering this guy a lift, I didn't know this guy was going to smell so bad when he got in the car. That was a shock. But, you know, sometimes you go into ministry and you do things and you don't realize that it's not going to quite work out the way that you think it is. And, you know, in that river for us, there was a massive waterfall 
that came about 18 months after we started. And, you know, like that raft there that's just about to tip over, that's exactly where we felt. And actually, we felt like it had tipped over. The group that we were working with basically told us that we were not suitable to be doing the work that we were doing, that we should leave China, we should go to Bible school and learn more about the Bible, uh, because we hadn't grown up in that missions culture. Horrible, horrible experience. I mean, Joyce and I had both been divorced before, and you know, getting thrown out of something that you know that God started, you know it's him that's put you in this place. You know he's provided for things all the way through. You see he's, God's been doing this, and then suddenly just getting thrown out of a boat. I'm like, I remember stand, sitting in the car one day, screaming at God, because it was like, it was a really emotional time, because all the things that we thought we were going to do were just disappearing. And I remember screaming at God, saying, where the hell are you? And this little voice inside said, I said that once. You know, Jesus sitting down in on a cross, he's like, Father, where are you? I'm glad Jesus didn't swear like I do, but you know, sort of like, hell is not a swear word in Australian or English, I don't think. But he's, it was really interesting to me to see the, you know, it, it can all go wrong. Then I started to learn a lesson. And uh, do you want to stick the next slide up, Josh? A grain of wheat, unless it's planted in the ground, it doesn't bear fruit. And if it is planted in the ground, it can bear things a hundredfold, you know? And what was going on was God had taken a vision that he'd given us, taken the seed that he'd sown in our hearts for what the ministry was, and he says, I've got much, much bigger plans for that. I need that to die. I need it to go into the ground. It needs to be planted, and it needs to come out, and it needs to burst forth into lots more than you ever imagined. And so, you know, that, that learning process, that that grain of wheat will become a harvest that, that God's going to reap in the future. And so after we got thrown out there, we went back to New Zealand for a month. We came back to China. God opened up some really interesting doors. But one of the most interesting for me was while we were in New Zealand, God was talking to me about living my life without walls. You know, being transparent, letting people see the warts, letting people know who I really was. And, you know, I'm not necessarily the nice polished face that you see up here. I'm not, it's not really a nice polished face. I mean, I know I'm old. But you know what I mean? It's, it, you know, we all have this exterior that we can see and when we look at one another. And, you know, if we're truthful, we actually don't want people to see past that. We don't, you know? I'm like, I don't really don't want you to see me as I really am. But God was talking to me about, you know, that's the only way that you relate to other people. That's the way that you make relationships with one another is when you do allow other people to see you as you really are. And... Uh, yeah. One of the closest friends I have here in Beijing, I have, because one morning we were having a cup of coffee, and 
I turned around to him. I, I mean, I don't know whether this is the only reason. I turned around to him and said, hey, do you mind if I smoke my pipe? And he looked at me and says, oh, thank goodness for that. He said, do you mind if I have a cigarette? And God put a relationship there just because I was being honest. He connected me to that guy and we've stayed connected and really close friends and being able to share, being able to help each other with struggles. And, you know, he did that by seeing a bit of me that most people don't see. And, you know, it's not the good bits. You know, we like showing off the good bits, but it's not the good bits, you know. And I think it's really important that we... We are transparent, you know, we, we do see that. I've gone way off track. My wife told me not to waffle. I'm waffling. Uh, so, okay. So we came back to, yeah, God talking, that's, that's where I was. Just, God was talking to me about living my life without walls around. And so we came back to China. Our driver picked us up at the airport uh, he'd been with us since we started the ministry and three people were at the airport to meet us. There were three people from the old foster home who said they didn't want to work for the other group. They wanted to stay working for us and we're like, we, we don't even know where we've got a, anything to do. You know, We know we've got three babies that we're coming back to look after but out of that we don't know. But they came, picked us up from the airport. We got two minutes away from the airport and our driver turned around to us and he said, Oh, the, the driver actually offered to fix the other group. And I'll leave fix to your imagination. Because I'm sure that one of our drivers is part of the mafia here. And, <laughs> and, and, I mean, he's a lovely guy. But, yeah. And he wanted to fix them. And I'm like, no, 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 we don't do that. We don't do that. You know, we're Christians. We, we don't. Much as I would have liked to have said yes, but he, he, no, we don't do that. He picked us up from the airport. We were in the car two minutes. He turned around to us and said, I've become a Christian. I'm like, what? <laughs> How on earth did that happen, Lord? In the middle of what I saw was one of the worst witnesses of Christians fighting with Christians. I'm like, How did you manage to do that? You know, this, this guy, he still is with us today. But, uh, he picked us up from the airport and he took us off to where we were living, and then the next day he said, I've got some places for you to go and look at. And so we went off with him to uh, a village that his wife came from, and he showed us this building. And there it is, and I don't know if you realise there's something really unusual about that picture. There's not a wall. You know, and in China, whenever they build anything, the first thing that they do is they build a wall. And, you know, the, there was no wall around that place at all. And I'm like, as we drove past it, I looked at it and went, well, if that's the place we're going to end up with, that, that it sounds like you've been talking to me about the right thing, you know. But, you know, God put that seed in the ground and it was planted and it watered and it grew. And what we ended up with is something that was way better than we ever imagined. To the next slide, Dave. And today, this is the same place. It's doubled in size. You know, we have a beautiful facility that God's given us to care for these babies. And I mean, this is just one of the units that we've got at the moment. But as I look around it, I'm like, every day, I'm like, Lord, how did you do that? 
You know, he did it. One day we were working on renovating that building that was up above before. Working on renovating it, and I mean, you can see how barren it is. There's nothing at all. And we came out of there, and there's a really strong wind blowing, and I turned around to Joyce, and I said, hey, look, we need to get some trees. We need to put some trees in here just to keep the wind off, you know, and keep the dust down. We got in our car, and it literally happened like this. We got in our car, drove back to where we were living in Capital Paradise, walked in the front door. The phone started to ring. I picked the phone up. A lady was on the phone. And she said, oh, is that Mr. Hill? And I said, yeah. She said, oh, this is so-and-so from BP. She said, would you like some trees? <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> and she said, no, would you like some trees? <laughs> I, said, I said, this is really spooky. And I remember saying that to her. Whether she understood the word spooky, I don't know, because she was a Chinese girl. But I said, this is really spooky. And she said, yeah. She said, we've got, we'd like to have a... a, a, a a day out for the employees, we'd like to come and plant trees. And they came and planted the trees all around the outside of our block. But you know, that was God. You know, I, I didn't pray. I wasn't super spiritual about it. I didn't, you know, I just got out there and said, hey, we need some trees. We had another instance where we, we I'll tell you this little story. We had another instance where we, a suitcase turned up. We get a lot of stuff as donations from the US. And this suitcase turned up, and it was full of dressings. But they were really specialized dressings. They weren't the sort of things that you normally use around kids or whatever. And Joyce looked at them and said, what on earth are we going to use these for? She hadn't got a clue what they were for or anything. So they, we put them aside. The very next day, we get a baby that's been badly burnt. Joyce got in touch with one of the surgeons overseas that deals with burns. He quoted the number and the make of the dressings that were in that box. And you're like, Lord, don't send us any more stuff. <laughs> Please, you know, because it's like scary, you know. But I, for me, these are the trademarks of God's kingdom. It's full of surprises. And I think that, you know, God's really, really excited about you and I participating in these good works he's got planned for us. But we only participate in if we say yes. Okay, what can I do? We don't participate if we look around and say, who, who can I get to help them? It's only when we respond to what God wants us to do, those works that he's interested in us doing, that, that we get to enjoy the ride. Okay, so what do we do? I should talk about the foster home. As I've already said, we take babies that are under six months old with a physical disability, if we're cor correct. We also, nowadays, we take babies that are not expected to live. And so many of our babies in our units in the other parts of China are hospice care children. And so we found that the orphanages don't really know what to do with these kids. And so we just basically, we, we ask the orphanage to give us the space and the room to do that. And so we do that as well. So in Beijing, we, uh, we have our main unit in Beijing. We look after 45 babies at the moment. 
Actually, I think it's a few more. We can look after 54 babies, and we employ about 85 local staff. The unit in Beijing takes babies from all over China. Oh, they don't come from one particular orphanage. They come from all over China. They all come from the Children's Welfare Institutes, but from all over China. In Beijing, uh, we have one nanny looks after three babies at any one time, and it's always the same nanny looks after the same three babies. And the reason that we do that is so that the babies bond to the, the nannies. And so the nannies become their mom. And it's a bit weird because they have three moms because the nannies work eight-hour shifts. And so they have a morning mom, an afternoon mom, and a night mom. But it works. It means that the children learn to bond. And, you know, again, when we put it back to our measure, would I be happy if one of our children was being looked after like this? Yeah, I would. And quite comfortable with the, the surroundings and everything else. So the next slide. You can't see the pictures that well, but what we try to create is a really clean, colourful environment for the children, as much as we possibly can. We have a separate dining room in Chunyi that both the nannies and the children use, and it's fun to go in there at times because there's this big long line of baby chairs and there's all these nannies poking food into them. They can feed our kids in about five minutes flat. I don't know how they do it, but they... they they seem to be able to feed the kids. It got to such a point that we had to say you are not allowed to go and eat for at least 20 minutes after the children are fed to, to, to mean that the, they weren't rushing to get their food and just stuffing it down the kids, you know. Uh, we run a kindergarten, always in English. Uh, it's one of the areas that uh, we, we use volunteers a lot that come and live with us. Uh, Next picture. We have a really nice playground outside that the British Embassy have just uh, done. I'm a little bit conscious of the time. I don't want to go over because Josh will tell me off. So next slide, Josh. Just a couple of the babies that we've, uh, we've looked after. This little boy, he was actually born with his bladder on the outside of his body, inside out. So if you can just imagine, it's all round the wrong way. And so he went down to Hong Kong. The operation actually took 15 hours to, to do, but they basically reconstructed his bladder, put everything back in place, and uh, sent him back to us. The next slide, Josh. Little Anna here. You can see the middle picture there. That's a great big, large growth on her back. It's actually spinal fluid and spinal cord. But it's a neurosurgical problem, so you need a neurosurgeon to actually put all that back into the spine. But I love that picture of her in her wheelchair. You know, all right, she's paralysed from the waist down, but you couldn't ask to see a happier kid, you know. Next slide, Josh. Little Anna, little Rebecca here. She had another little one that was born with a bladder on the outside of her body. She had surgery in uh, Sydney. She's now been adopted. She's in the USA. Next slide. The other units that we have are in Hernan province. They're all focused in Hernan province. They are started off as what we call special care centres. They are the hospice care units, but they've got a lot of kids in there that are not necessarily hospice care that will end up being adopted. The next slide, Josh. This is the biggest one, and I think that some of the women here would have been to Maria's. This is in Loyang. Next slide. Then the other units are in Jiaozhou, Jinzhou, and Nanyang. 
and they're all very similar, brightly colored. We employ nannies, we've got 14 nurses that work in the units, and so we sort of, we cover them really well medically, we cover the, you know, we employ a lot of people, which is another thing for me that is really good. You know, I mean, we could employ less people, but then that's less people have jobs. And, you know, this is part of God's kingdom, and there's, there's an abundance that's in God's kingdom, you know. Okay, the next slide. This little baby is a typical baby of a baby that would come into one of those units. That's the day of admission. Next slide. Next. This was this little one, the same little one three months later. With love and a bit of food. He's got something wrong with his one eye, but you know, it's such a dramatic difference. And we actually thought we didn't need to be in Zhengzhou. Uh, Joyce and I went down there and visited and said to the orphanage director, we don't need to be here, you're doing a good job. And then the first two babies she gave us were, looked like this. One of them passed away fairly quickly, but the other, this little one carried on. Okay, next slide. So since 2000, we've cared for over 2,500 babies, and 570 of those have been adopted. So we're really pleased with what God's done. And you know, it's been a very interesting thing for us. But... Uh, Next slide. That we sort of watched this model, if you like, of how God would like to do this. How God would like to care for these orphans. You know, how he, he cares about the least of the least. He wants to give them the best. We're going to finish this morning with a little PowerPoint bit of music. It's... Uh, a song that Stephen Curtis Chapman, who was one of our big supporters, he wrote. But I think it really, for me, it challenges me every time I listen to it. And I hope it challenges each one of you. You know, what is it that God is really asking you to do? He's not asking you to go out and start an orphanage. He's not asking, oh, well, you might be, but I'm, I, you know, it's those random acts of kindness, those little things that God's asking you to do. And I think that that's what I would like to leave you with this morning. Okay, Josh.